Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. I am your host, Michael, owner and head trainer at matadorcanine.com. You can head over to matadorcanine.com and schedule a free consultation today. We can get you started doing some virtual online coaching for you and your dog. Build the strength and bond that you want and fix all those problem behaviors. Reach your goals at matadorcanine.com. Welcome to the show today. It's uh, September 2nd. There's a lot going on in the world. A lot going on. Some terrible things, some wonderful things. But uh, I'm glad everybody's doing okay. If you're not doing okay, hopefully that changes for you real soon. What I want to talk about today is obedience. I know. It's like, ah, well, that's the, you know, the first thing that you learn whatever class you take. Sure, it is the first thing you learn. But is it really something you master? Mm, right? So I want to talk about obedience, and the way I want to talk about it is the way that one of my professors used to talk about it. He had written a book, and throughout the entire book, he keeps mentioning, go back to chapter 2, go back to chapter 2, go back to chapter 2. I, did, I know you didn't read it. That's through the book. And when... Unfortunately, he's passed when he was alive. A lot of the time, he would say, how's your obedience? And he could determine what was going wrong in your bite work, in your scent work, in your sport work, whatever it is, based off your obedience routine. So he would be looking at your sit, your down, your stand, your stay, your come, your heel in motion, right? Your down in motion, those kinds of things. And he would determine what the problem was, whether it was timing, whether it was you didn't have the right reward, whether it was you weren't rewarding enough. And oftentimes, that solved the problem. You know, he had individuals all over the country, all over the world, asking him advice for bite work. And every time they would say, Doc, Doc, I'm having, I'm having problems with bite work. Like, I don't know what's going on. My dog's not doing as well as they should be. And he would say, okay, let's look at your obedience. And they would say, no, 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 my problem's bite work, not obedience. He'd say, it all goes back to obedience. All goes back to obedience. So if you're having problems with your dog, my question is, are you doing obedience? Have you done obedience? Right? How, how are you supposed to fix behavior problems if you haven't trained through obedience? And I don't mean trained through obedience is, okay, I did a class and I know how to get my dog to sit. Does your dog sit on cue? Does your dog down on cue? Does your dog stay? Whether you say stay or just build in duration for sit down. Does your dog stop in motion, right? It's running or you're walking with it and you say down. Will it stop what it's doing and drop to the floor? That's what I mean by obedience. That's the, the level of obedience I think every dog should have for general management as well as some serious situations. Your dog's running towards the street, you need to be able to stop them. And yes, a recall might work fine, but they're still moving. There's some scenarios you want them to stop exactly where they are, drop to the floor, and I will come get you. I will walk over, I will put a leash on you, or I will grab your collar, or I'll pick up the leash that I dropped, or whatever it may be, and I will come get you. So, 
there's three main things that go along with training obedience. There's three main things. And you have to train with consistent expectations throughout all of these. Okay, so that's our that's our little secret nugget. Consistent expectations. Right? If you if you're training in one location versus another location, or if you're doing more excitement or less excitement, you still have to have the same expectations. Now this does not mean, well, I'm gonna have my dog do the behavior less than because we're in this area and then I'll work back up to it. That's fine. Right? So if you know it's a challenging area for your dog, that's okay. As long as your goal is to get them up to that level that you had. You cannot, you should not, you cannot make an excuse as to why your dog is not performing obedience under a certain situation. What do I mean by that? If you're doing bite work, or you're doing reactivity, you're doing sport work, whatever it may be, there is no reason to let your dog not perform obedience and then reward them with whatever it was they found exciting. Case in point, when dogs get reactive towards other dogs out of excitement, they want to play with the other dog. And so you're out for a walk, you're enjoying your time, la-di-da-di-da, and they see another dog. They start to lose their mind. They're absolutely going crazy. They're over the handle, they're over the U. If you don't know what over the U means, go check out our Yorkstats in law podcast. We'll probably be doing an updated one soon, but they're over the U, past the threshold, they're completely losing it, and you bring them over to the dog. Well, I'll tell you right now, that makes no sense. Why would you bring your dog over to that dog with all that excitement? That just got reinforced, and I'm sure we know that. Right? Whatever results in getting a reinforcer is going to happen again. So the next time you go for a walk, your dog starts pulling harder and they get crazier and you feel awkward and embarrassed because your dog's acting up and you go, oh, well, you know, my dog really just wants to say hi and then they end up saying hi and it is what it is. But again, it just got reinforced. So now we're on a continuous reward schedule every single time. So then you go out and you're like, okay, I really can't do that again. I've been listening to acknowledged dogs. I've been talking to my trainer. I really know that I should not be doing that again. So this time you don't let the dog say hi. You say, okay, I'm going to work through it. We're going to get this dog to sit first. And the dog does not sit. It ain't going to happen. He's over the U. He's absolutely lost it. Excuse me. He's absolutely lost it. There's no way you're getting him back. But you keep trying, which is fine. That's good. You should keep trying. Eventually you say, all right, it's not happening. And either one of two things happen. Do you say, all right, he tried, and so I'll let him say hi. Or you say, you didn't do it, so you walk away. Number two is the right answer, by the way. That's what you should be doing. He didn't get it right. I'm going to walk away. But if you end up doing the first one, you've now pushed the dog to the point of failure and then rewarded him for failing. So how does this translate to bite work? What happens is we do all this obedience, we get our down, we get our sit, and then we treat bite work like it's something else, or we treat agility like it's something else, or we treat lower coursing like it's something else. It's not. 
It's all extensions of obedience. Think about it. Agility becomes obedience because instead of a sit or a down, it's now jump or tunnel or A-frame. Right? If I say sit, I mean sit. I don't mean slide into a down after I say sit. And if I was doing agility and I said tunnel, that doesn't mean go jump over something and then go through the tunnel. See what I mean? It's very easily connected. We just don't think of it that way. And oftentimes we don't need to be taught. We just need to be reminded. So you have to be thinking about keeping your dog consistent with the expectations you have for their obedience. That was a little secret nugget. That is not part of the three things I wanted to talk about today. First one. The first part that you need to be concerning yourself with when we talk about obedience is obedience from the start. Right away. Right away you should be doing obedience. No matter what it is that you're going to be doing with your dog, obedience should come first. Obedience should come first, and it should come last. So if you're doing agility, you should be doing obedience, then do your agility routine, your exercises, whatever you're going to do, and then end with obedience. A lot that kind of time so that your dog's not tired and doesn't perform the obedience. But also, obedience is the majority of what you should be doing. It's going to translate to everywhere else in life. It's going to translate to everywhere else in their sport work or their activity. Think about fetch. Okay, you take the dog out. Let's say you go to a pond. We'll make it a little more interesting. So you go to the pond. You throw the buoy in the pond. They chase after it. They get it. They bring it back. Now, that's all fine and dandy. And that gets the dog's energy out, which is reinforcing to you. However, there's another guy down at the other side, and they throw something out into the water. Let's say they're littering. Now, your dog chases after whatever they threw in the water, and you can't stop them because they have not been taught that this exercise is the same as obedience. So now they chase after that guy's litter, whatever it is. Let's say it's a water bottle. And everything might be fine. But maybe that water bottle starts to drift out into the middle of the lake. And your dog isn't that great of a swimmer where they can cross this entire lake. So now you start to get worried. Oh man, I've never sent my dog out that far. You know, I don't know. I don't have a long line on him. I don't have a, anything on him to get him back. You know, what if he goes to the other side of the lake? And now he's got to run around the entire lake or he's got to swim through. We haven't practiced that distance yet. Mm. Not only have you not practiced that distance yet, you haven't practiced that distance while playing fetch. So now your dog's mindset is on fetch and playing and not on obedience, which they should be the same thing. Obedience should be playing. Obedience isn't, oh, I'm in charge and you must do it now. Obedience is, this is the best thing for you to do, period. No matter what's going on. But because you didn't practice doing obedience around those kinds of distractions, you're now in this conundrum. You're in this quagmire, this pickle. You do not have the control necessary to keep your dog safe. And that's a problem. So obedience from the start. If you're doing bite work, if you're doing agility, if you're doing lore coursing, Lore coursing, not fast cat. I'm not talking about just running in a straight line. I'm talking about lore coursing if you had a backyard setup or you're doing it for energy expenditure. You need to do obedience first. 
This is one of my, my biggest pet peeves about people who start doing lore coursing or anything too exciting. And then they complain. I don't mind if they're doing the exciting thing. What I mind is when you start to complain that your dog doesn't listen or your dog's crazy and it has nothing to do with drives. We talked about drives on one of the last podcasts. It has nothing to do with drives. Drives don't exist. It has nothing to do with the excitement level of your dog. It has to do with your inability to train obedience before doing that fun thing. It's like doing your homework before playing outside when you were a kid. It's tough, but it's necessary. right? I can't go outside and climb trees and run around and roll around in the dirt if I didn't do my math homework. When I came home from school, it was you had a quick little snack, maybe, and then you sat down and you did your homework. My brother was always faster at homework, so he got to finish and go play video games, and I had to sit there being tormented by listening to Mario Kart and Pac-Man, and I had to do my homework. But if I finished my homework, then I got to go play. That's the, that's the secret. It's the same thing with your dog, right? Playing becomes the reward. It's a jackpot reward, but it's a reward nonetheless. So for me, with my homework... I did the tough thing, thing I did not want to do, and then I got my reward. If I had done my reward first, then had to do the tough thing, not only am I not going to feel satisfied for playing, because I have to stop and I have to go do something I didn't want to do, right? it was more rewarding to get it after doing something difficult, but now my homework's going to suffer because my brain isn't on the homework, it's on playing just not in the right mindset. That's why when I came home from came home from school, my brain was already school oriented. I'm still in that mindset. So I could sit down, jump right into it, finish it faster and more accurately and then go play. So you have to train obedience from the start. So when you're doing lore coursing, you would start doing obedience around the lore before the dog even gets interested in it. That's what I'm talking about. Before the dog even gets interested in the lore and thinks it's a game and enjoys seeing it out, and when they hear the zzzz of the motor, they're already thinking obedience. Oh, we're doing obedience. Then we can release the dog and build up the motivation for chasing it. Then we come back to obedience. you got to come back to obedience. This is a sandwich. Obedience, activity that's exciting, obedience. Not only is that going to teach them that obedience encompasses everything in the world, but it also changes their mindset to a nice excited state. But we still get the obedience we need, no matter what. Number two. Okay, number one, obedience from the start. Number two, have distractions in mind when training. So you should not be jumping into a distracting environment let's say going to New York City, if you've never been to New York City with your dog, and start teaching obedience. That would not be the correct way to do it. You're not going to have a good time, your dog's not going to have a good time, and they're going to hate doing obedience because you're going to get frustrated. You're not setting the dog up for success in this case. You need to set the dog up for success. You need to have consistent success for a while, and then you start to up the ante, just like if you were trying to learn something. If I said, here, you're going to put on a concert in two days, go learn the piano, 
There's no way you're going to learn the piano in two days to the proficiency of being able to perform at a concert. You might be able to learn a scale, but not an entire piece. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. So, when you're training your dog, think about it like that. We're performing every time we go out into the world. We have to perform. I need you to perform at your absolute best. So if that's 20% that performing, the other 80%, right, if you know the 20-80 rule, the 80% of the work you have to do, no one's going to see. No one's going to see that. And then they're going to see this tiny portion at 20%. Or not even see it, right? But need it. You do all this prep work for when you need them to respond. That's critical. If you can understand that, I'm doing all this hard work, I'm doing all of this work for that one moment where I need my dog to respond without hesitation, when I don't have a treat, when they're not in the mindset of doing obedience, right? The whole warm-up thing, oh, we got to get our dog warmed up and ready and then we'll work. They should be able to do it at the drop of a hat no matter what's going on, no matter what time of day it is, no matter where you are. But you have to train that. You have to train that distraction. So You start off low distraction and then you start to build a distraction over time. If you don't build it over time, while also increasing the rate of reinforcement and building a strong reinforcement history, then you're rushing it and your dog's going to get confused and just go back to the basics. I'm going to slowly start to build this up. Once it's built up, we're going to go on to the next thing. Slowly start to build it up. Next thing. Next thing. And I like to do only a couple behaviors at a time. You don't have to do two and a half hour long training sessions and expect your dog to be perfect. That's not what I'm telling you to do. And it's definitely not what you should do. You should do short training sessions consistently over a period of time. So if breakfast now gets transitioned into an obedience walk, perfect. Dinner, obedience walk, perfect. Your afternoon walk now becomes a training session at the mall or at an outlet mall, something like where you can walk around around people and other distractions. That's perfect. But you need to be thinking about those things and setting them up and have those distractions in mind. Be aware of what's going on. Your job is to be aware of more than what your dog is aware of. And they are masters of hearing and seeing and sniffing and, and just feeling everything going on. You need now to be the master. You have to be in charge of the situation and you have to know what's best for your dog. You can't just stop and panic and go, I, 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 no, you got to do something. Either you got to move and then start to work obedience again, 
right? So I get into a scenario where everything is stressful, things are being crazy, dog's starting to elevate, I don't know what to do. Okay, I'm just going to leave. And once we get to a spot where I think my dog's going to start to listen, I'm going to work through that obedience. That's what we got to do. Now, what happens if your dog does not listen with these distractions? We talked earlier about training with consistent expectations. So, oh man, what happens? My dog's no longer, they're no longer performing the way I expect them to, the way we've practiced. Well, one of two things have happened. Number one, you either push them too far, too fast, meaning you're in a distracting environment you should not have been, or there's something else going on. Could be you weren't consistent from the beginning, and so your dog doesn't know when you say it, they need to do it. And I don't mean correct your dog. People are going to interpret this as, oh, well, I have to keep them accountable. I have to correct them if they don't do it. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you say sit, your dog should sit. If you don't think your dog's going to sit, don't say sit. Super simple. Right? If someone was watching TV and you started talking to them, just randomly, they're probably going to think that you're talking to yourself for a second or two and then realize that you're talking to them. Now, if you got their attention and you knew that maybe they paused the TV and they looked at you and they're waiting for you to talk, now you can start telling your story, and I guarantee they'll listen. So it's the same thing with our dogs. If you do not have their attention, do not start asking for obedience. Until you have worked up to a level where despite whether you have their attention or not, they will perform the behavior. That's what I mean by train with consistent expectations. And do not take no for an answer. Right? If I say down, if I say down, the dog has to down. Otherwise, we get into, well, you listen at home when I have treats and there's no distractions, and now you don't listen when we're out and about. So that variable becomes very important to the dog. They're like, oh, well, everything is different when we go outside the house. And it shouldn't be. It's exactly the same. Just like manners and people, right? You could be more relaxed at home, but I'd hope you'd still open the door for somebody. But clean up after yourself, right? You might be more comfortable in one scenario versus the other. But your values, your manners, they all stay in play. Lastly, we're going to talk about location, location, location. Kind of stems from keeping distractions in mind. But location, location, location. When you're training obedience, you need to be doing it in a myriad of places. So many places that the obedience becomes the single variable. It's not outside, it's not versus inside, it's not where there's people or where there's animals. The single variable that your dog needs to concern themselves with is you and the obedience. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is as interesting, nothing else is as stimulating, nothing else is rewarding. The only thing that matters to them is you and that obedience. Other than that, it's just mumbo-jumbo. It lives in the world. It exists. Maybe it's important. Maybe it's not. doesn't matter. 
does not matter to your dog. They should care less. But to be able to do that, you got to work in so many different places. Right? You can't just go, okay, well, I'm going to work in my kitchen. And then when your dog accidentally runs out of the house, now the recall happens. It's not going to happen. You got to set that up. And I think that's one of the benefits of somebody who trains dog for dogs for a living. You bring your dogs everywhere with you, and your dogs start to develop these habits. Yes, individuals do them, but as a dog trainer, you have so many more dogs to interact with. You have so many more places to go with your dog that it's allowed. Right? If you don't think there's places you can go with your dog, you got to just Google search it. Where can I bring my dog? There are a hundred million places to bring your dog, and it's only growing, right? But pick five, ten places in your neighborhood and go there once a week. So let's say on Monday you go to Lowe's, Tuesday you go to Tractor Supply, three, uh, Thursday you go to, hey, we skipped Wednesday. Monday we go to Lowe's, Tuesday we go to Tractor Supply, Wednesday we go to the outlets, Thursday we go to the dog park just for training, right? You're not going in the dog park, but maybe you train outside the dog park. Friday we go to the lake or the pond, or the beach. And then Saturday and Sunday, you change it up. You do something. But if you schedule it out like that, your dog starts to go, oh my god, all these places still mean obedience. No matter where we go, mom and dad expects me to listen no matter what. And that's exactly the point. Do that every day for six months and tell me that your dog does not improve behaviorally. Do that every day for six months. And if that does not improve your dog's situation, their life, their response, then message me and, and we'll get you started on some kind of coaching program because there's something going on. <laughs> okay, there's something going on that you're just not seeing and you need someone else's eyes to pinpoint it. But obedience is critical to fixing behavior problems. It is absolutely critical to fix so many things and to prevent so many things right I've had dogs with resource guarding issues that had a wonderful recall you know what we just used those that's fine I'm not going to argue with you whatever you have I'll just recall you away from it and because the recall was so strong and so reinforcing they didn't even realize they had dropped the item until they got to me so I just recalled them 10 feet away Gave him a treat. Of course, I let him go back to the things to make sure that they didn't uh, start to develop a worse resource guarding. But eventually they just went, all right, well, he doesn't really care about this thing. I don't really care about this thing anymore. He's just keep going to give me treats, and he's going to keep recalling me. So I guess I'll do that. So go back through your secret bonus. Train with consistent expectations. Start with obedience. From the start, you have to be doing obedience, and you should end with obedience. Have distractions in mind when training. And location, location, location. Do not let your dog slip just because you're in a distracting environment. And don't put them in a distracting environment if you think they're going to slip. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador K.
Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors, reach the goals that you want, and have the dog that always listens. Are you guys on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook? Well, so is Matador. So if you're not following Matador Canine, then you should be. We constantly post tips and other tricks that you can use to help your dog reach the goals that you want, as well as promotions all the time for online coaching and virtual training for you and your dog.